Hello, welcome back to I Want Our Job, the podcast. My name is Polina, and today we are speaking with Babies for Babies founder, Kate Marie Grenold Sigmundson. So Kate had an idea for a high-quality baby product for newborns that would also have a social impact with each purchase, and she made it happen. In this show, we talked to Kate about her business, how she came up with the idea, her day-to-day life and running a business, and more. Hi, Kate. Thanks for joining us. Can we start by having you tell us about Babies for Babies, about your business, and how you came up with the idea? Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Uh, Babies for Babies, I always say, is the baby brand on a mission to save 1 million newborn lives. And we do that through the sale of our products. So we sell baby blankets and every blanket a customer purchases gives four life-saving treatments to four newborns in the developing world. And that's done via an amazing NGO partner we have. Um, So as I call myself the startup mom CEO and founder of Babies for Babies, I'm you know, two years in, wearing a lot of hats, um, doing a lot of exciting and then some not so exciting and less glamorous uh, aspect of the, the job is in my role, but happy to to share more about it with you today. Yeah. Tell us uh, how did, when about the story. When did you come up with the idea? How did you decide to start this? Yeah, so I've been working on Babies for Babies for about three years now, and I've been launched for exactly two years. So um, took me a year to launch, and really, um, when I, I was going through a career transition, and I have always had always been a entrepreneur with a lot of ideas for a lot of businesses that never really panned out, and I never you know took the, the leap to do or for, or whatever reason, it just didn't happen. Um, the, the timing was right during this transition. And I had this idea for, for a business that was a for-profit company that had an underlying mission to help people around the world. And in particular, I wanted to, to empower mothers and children. And, um, I saw that nobody had really done that in the baby space. And that was so interesting to me because with millennials rising into parenthood, I thought, oh, this is the perfect opportunity to build an incredible social impact brand where you're creating a really great line of products that people want to buy because they love the products and the products are fashionable and trendy, but also because they have the added value of doing something great in the world and improving the lives of others. And um, because nobody at the time had had done that, I thought, well, I'm going to do it. And and ultimately, that's what Babies for Babies is. So it's a way for me to add financial value to my family as an entrepreneur to positively impact the world through helping mothers keep their newborns healthy and um, and then really just design my life in a way personally that a allows me to invest time in both my business and in my family on my own terms. So when I say I'm a startup mom, that's what I mean. A startup mom is somebody who's saying yes to um, both career and family by doing it her way. And so because the business gave me the opportunity to pursue all three of those personal missions, I, I simply had to had to do it. Of course, you know, Easier said than done, right? It took me a year to launch, which which seemed like a reasonable amount of time. And then two years in business, we you know have learned a lot and and doing really well. But um, I'm you know definitely looking forward to what's next for Babies for Babies. No, I love that. I think that's kind of the holy grail what uh, a lot of moms aspire to, and uh, the fact that you're able to combine all those things that are so important to you. And so, can you tell us a little bit more about 
what what are the products that you sell and how do you how did you make it work because you know the baby market there's a lot of stuff out there how do you stay you know stand out or made profitable while also giving back so the baby and toddler goods market is awesome but you're right it's really really competitive um what we sell is a very niche and classic line of baby swaddles. So if you're a parent, you definitely know what swaddling is. If you're not, it's a specific type of blanket that bundles the baby up like a little burrito and it keeps them soothed and basically simulates the womb effect when they're very young. And it's made out of a particular type of beautiful cotton muslin fabric that is soft, breathable, absorbent, and ultimately becomes this gorgeous multi-purpose blanket for the first year or so of the baby's life. So we sell this, this swaddle product line, and then we, so we started selling a new line this year called the Mini, um, which is a little lovey blanket, also very multi-purpose. And we, we sell them in, in various colors that are all vibrant and beautiful and, and a, bit, a bit different from what you might be seeing from other brands. And then we sell beautiful artwork on the product. So prints that our textile designers design that are you know, coming from inspiration off of the runway and out of, you know, pieces of, of classic art and, again, or something that you may not typically see on a baby product. And then we print those on the product um, digitally with water-based eco-friendly inks, which nobody else is doing in color. And it's just um, a really gorgeous product that we love making and are committed to always making better and then like I said before the added value is when you buy one of these blankets whatever size whatever price point whatever color or print it gives to save four newborn lives um, and so being in this competitive market we're selling a really specific product geared toward a specific type of customer who wants something that's a bit different, a bit more fashionable, something that's long lasting and they're going to pass down from baby to baby and that has that social impact. And we find that our biggest customer is actually a mom who is gifting for her friends. So we have a very high repeat purchase rate. Once parents experience our product, they love it and they want to buy it for all of their friends. So we see like the gift note requests coming through or when somebody buys a product, they, they can include the gift note for free. And it's, you know, I use this blanket with my baby. It was my, it was our favorite. We hope you love it too. You know, that sort of thing is just the best feeling in the world for a startup who, you know, we really struggled to make a beautiful product and we're very proud of our product. And so um, while it is a competitive market, it's a beautiful market to be in because there's so much opportunity for a startup. Well, I didn't mention before, but when you become a parent for the first time, you generally don't know anything about anything, including the brands and the products. Like you don't know what a swaddle is. You don't know what the big brands are that everybody's using and so the ch my challenge and my opportunity as a startup is to get eyeballs on my brand when parents are building their baby registries when they're learning about all the products because if I can get babies for babies in front of a parent or to a parent to be rather then they will evaluate my product on par with a legacy brand product and they're going to use what they like best and what works best and so for that reason it's just I mean for so many reasons it's a great market to be in and it's funny, people, because now I, I have a son who's almost two, and then I have another baby due 
in a few months and, and people think, oh, well, you, you had some kids and so you started a baby brand. And it, it actually, if you look at the timeline, wasn't that way. I was not even pregnant with my son when I had this concept and I launched the company before he was born. So it really is about being a part of this experience in the marketplace and, and having my family. But the one you wouldn't expect came before the other. <laughs> no, I love that. And I do have two kids, so I know how we all need swaddles and <laughs> and how it's the first thing you basically put on a newborn. So I love that you're making them beautiful and eco-friendly and built to last. Yeah, um, it matters. It really, really matters. Yeah, and it's that time of life when you just you want that to be precious and the fact that it's also helping other babies. I mean, of course, if I saw that product... Um, I would want to choose that. My question is, how do you meet that challenge of getting it out there um, when there's so much competition? Are you are you are you in stores physically? Or are you just selling online? And how do you how do you get it out there? So for two years, we sold direct to consumer online only on our website. I was very resistant to wholesale to selling on alternate online channels. I wanted to, um, and perhaps to my own detriment for, for a little bit, I really wanted to control um, the the product and, you know, what, what brand alignment the product had, et cetera. And, and I've opened up this year. This is, it's definitely been a growing pain for me, but th- this is the right thing to do. And, and I'm going um, wholesale for the first time this year. So we'll be going into some retail stores and and then I'm opening up other online sales channels. So I'm going through some of these subscription boxes you may have heard of or just other online platforms that sell socially conscious products or other very high-end baby products because the goal is to get the product experience. And to do that, I need to get it into the hands of, of more and more new moms and dads. So I just wanted to make sure that this product that I built that was great really was great. And, and I'm, I'm very confident in that now we have incredible testimonials coming in all the time. And, um, you know, and I use the product myself with my son. And so it's time to, um, really give it a go. It's kind of like the next stage of entrepreneurship for me. It's definitely a bigger capital investment to do these bigger orders and just a bigger, um, you know, ultimately risk of failure going out and putting your product into all these additional channels that you don't really have control over. Um, so time will tell. Um, I have really good feelings about this next year and where our sales will go, but we're all, we're a startup. So we're all, we're, we need to just hustle and to get the product sold. Yeah, no, that's exciting. And tell us, what is it like to run babies for babies? What do you spend most of your time on? Is this is I assume this is your full time job, especially given that you're expanding. Yeah, uh, so babies for babies has has been my full time job since since I launched. I've been full time on this, and um, it's I don't even know where to begin when when you ask what do I spend most of my time on because I spend most of my time on all aspects of the business. Of course, I'm guilty of. Um, spending probably more time than I should on the parts that I really enjoy, like, um, you know, marketing. Um, but then I let some things fall to the wayside that are maybe a bit more challenging or give me anxiety, um, like, you know, building the line sheet to expand into wholesale, for example. So um, the, the challenge with being a, a solo founder is um, – 
really being strategic with my time and where something gives me anxiety, like just tackling it head on and staying accountable to myself because you do only have so many hours in a day. And so you can't spend all of it doing the thing that you love. You're going to have to dive into the thing that, that is harder for you. And, um, you know, that's just a constant struggle that I'm at least aware of. So I'm working on it, but, uh, um, I wear, I wear multiple hats and then where I don't have expertise or bandwidth, I outsource. I work with a really great team of, of, of people who I, I will bring on as, as contractors. So I'm keeping my burn rate very low. I'm not paying a bunch of full-time people. You know, we have no physical office space. It's very lean harnessing technology, um, to, um, to communicate rather than being in the same space at the same time. Because, for example, I work with a textile designer um, across the country and another one who's actually out of the country, two amazing women, and it would be impossible for us to get in a room together, or if not impossible, very expensive. So we work over the phone, we work by Skype, we work by email, um, you know, all sorts of, you know, but using Dropbox, simple tools, but that, that you know, wouldn't have been available necessarily 10 years ago. And, and these are the types of things that enable me to be an effective entrepreneur as I raise my son as a startup mom. So um, I'm always, always kind of juggling, always like shifting priorities and, um, you know, the, the, the to-do list will never be done. But I, I want to be mindful of the fact that as an entrepreneur, I have this unique opportunity to reimagine and redesign what work looks like. And I never say it's a balance. It's definitely not a balance between work and, and, and raising a family, but it's a type of integration that is, is flowing and changing constantly depending on your company's and your family's needs. And, and that's something I just, I try to be very mindful of because I do want to do both, but I recognize I can't do both in that traditional corporate way. So here I am just, just kind of like making my own path. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And so it sounds like, are you on your own? And as how big is your, I was going to ask how big is your team, but it sounds like you're very lean. <laughs> yeah, no. So I'm the only full-time employee and I have about a dozen contractors that I work with. And, and this year I'm outsourcing more and more. So I'll start, you know, we've, I've always done the social media in-house and it's just kind of too big at this point. And there are too many other priorities that I'm, you know, I have somebody who's, she's actually a mom to be and she has, she's an entrepreneur as well. And she runs her own, um, the shop that has an expertise in this area. So she'll be doing some of the social media and, and content creation, um, for our site. And I'll, I'll, you know, be able to outsource that to her, or I work with the textile designers, or there are certain aspects of the technology side of things that I don't, I don't just don't have the the skill set to do. There are, are lots of areas in which I um, outsource and hire really talented individuals. And I try to hire women, I try to hire mothers and, um, and fathers and, and really to engage other entrepreneurs entrepreneurs in, in the business. I'd rather give an entrepreneur my money than, than somebody at a big firm. I'm a little bit biased that way. But I, and I will say, I also, of course, don't do the manufacturing myself. So um, the development of the product itself goes out of house, although I'm very involved. I depend on some really talented people to help me with that. 
Yeah, I'm very impressed with what you've built. And I'm curious, a lot of people have ideas like, hey, I'm going to start this new baby line. How were you, how do you think you were able to go from actually idea to making it happen? Did you have business experience or what do you think helped you make that leap and have the, uh, the ability to follow it through? Really, I just believed in my idea so much that I had to do it. I had to launch it. And um, it, it wasn't easy. It took a very long time. I had no idea what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. I mean, that's the thing that nobody really tells you but in life, but especially as an entrepreneur. Um, you're never going to know. You're just going to have to go for it. And, and there's no ever a right moment. So again, if you have an idea that grabs hold and will let go, you ha you have to go for it. And my biggest challenge personally was getting really comfortable with the idea of failure. Um, and I think that that is what keeps most people from entrepreneurship is this realization that when you become an entrepreneur and you say, I've launched I started this business, we're open, come buy something or select a service. What you're saying is I'm doing this and in doing this, I'm admitting that I might fail. And so um, I actually, before I launched the, the company exactly two years ago in January 2014, I had actually gotten everything ready to go by that Thanksgiving. The product was ready. It looked great. Um, you know, the tech was built. I had, you know, my NGO model set up. Everything was ready to go. And I took about six, maybe eight weeks to like press the button to launch the website and then to say to my closest family and friends, I've launched. And it was because I was grappling with that idea of failure and, and making myself get comfortable with it. So I'm definitely not saying I've you know, been really brave and done this perfectly because that was a huge hurdle for me. And to be honest, it, it still is, you know, it takes me too long to, to go into wholesale. Why? Because I'm afraid that if I go into wholesale, then nobody will buy my product in the stores and I won't get reorders and I will have failed. Well, you got to get over that. Um, I think that's a great metaphor for life in general. It's, it certainly applies to parenthood. You just kind of, you're like winging it and, as soon as you get comfortable with that, the, the sooner you'll be able to move toward your dreams. No, thanks for that honesty. Um, and I love that story. What were you doing in those six weeks? Just talking to yourself and saying it would be okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just having a lot of anxiety. Yeah, I don't know what I was doing. I was wasting time and being anxious. It was not, not productive. Well, that's okay for you to say because you did it. So <laughs> congratulations on right. doing yeah, it. Eventually I did it, yeah. So what advice would you give to other women who are listening and think, you know, I have this idea for, you know, either a, a online business and retail or in the baby market. Um, what would you say to them? And, and I've always thought the physical products are hard. Like what was the hardest part? Was it actually the manufacturing or the design or getting your website up? And yeah. The hardest part was definitely developing the product. And I was very naive in all aspects going into entrepreneurship, but I think what strikes me most is my naivete in product development. I thought, oh, a, a baby blanket, how hard can that be to make? Because I had the idea for a model, the social impact model, where a customer would buy one baby brand, baby product, and that product would give to save 
newborn lives in the developing world. Um, that was before blanket swaddles were in my mind. Um, I wasn't a parent at the time. I didn't really know what babies used. I did a lot of research and I thought, okay, well, what is a product that I can create that I can oversee manufacturing of that doesn't cost a lot of money or, you know, time for R and D. And I very naively thought, Oh, well, like baby blankets, how hard can a square textile be to make? Like, it's really hard. Let me tell you, (laughs) it's really, really hard Um, to make anything. Well, is such a challenge that most people will never be successful in. Um, so I have a, a new appreciation since building my own product for anything that's made well and anything that's made good in that you have clean supply chains that protect the environment and that, that value human life and, and, you know, add positive and instead of taking away, um, you know, negatively. So anyway, I, it was very hard and, um, I am very proud of this beautiful product that I've made, but, um, you know, like I said, we're always, always improving it. This last manufacturing run, we upgraded our thread, which there really was no problem with the thread, but I just wanted something that was better that would go through 200 plus wash tests looking perfect. Um, you know, switched out the tags to organic tags. And I just, I always want this product to be better. But I can understand how difficult that is and where, where's your manufacturing and how do you, it must be an on, like you said, an ongoing process of making sure that it uh, it's eco and friendly and sustainable and all those things you just mentioned. So manufacturing with a clean supply chain is incredibly challenging and, and incredibly worthwhile. So we manufacture everything in the U.S., which doesn't necessarily imply that it's done well and that it's done responsibly, but we go the extra mile to ensure that it is, that we're using facilities that pay fair wages, that have high environmental standards. Um, We do a specific type of digital printing that leaves virtually no waste, that is not harmful in terms of um, fumes and, and chemicals to the people that are doing the printing, and that is incredibly safe to put on a newborn baby's skin. So, it does take extra time. It does take extra money to do business or create a product in in ways that are thoughtful of our earth and of other human beings, but it's worth it. And the thing is, is there's a, a market of conscious consumers that are now driving these trends. And I love seeing that, that it's not just me in a silo saying, I want to create this thing in this specific way and hope that somebody will buy it. No, our customers are demanding that we do things better and better. And I love seeing that. And it's really my, my vision, you know, my dream that, that all brands, that all products will be made in this thoughtful and ethical and responsible way. I think it's going to take some time for sure. But when you see these market drivers and these, you know, people using their purchasing power, to support good causes and good products made well, it's, it's gives me great hope. 
So after someone has a business idea, startup capital is probably the next question people worry about. Um, can you tell us, was it a struggle for you? And if somebody wants to build a similar type of startup, can they do it without a large amount of capital? Yeah, so Babies for Babies is still a bootstrap business two years in, and we're reaching the point where we're considering taking investment, um, but have stretched it this far, harnessing um, pieces of technology, really, that have only been available for, um, you know, maybe five or so years to the, the general public. And what I mean by that is platforms like Shopify. You know, if you're doing under a million dollars in sales every year, I highly recommend um, Shopify Shopify because you don't need an in-house web developer. You don't need to know how to code and you can build a really beautiful website for very few dollars. And I get compliments on our website all the time. And if only people knew, um, you know, how, how little we actually spent on that. Not that it wasn't a great deal of work, but you can build um, an e-commerce business for not a lot of money. There are just the barriers to entry are so much lower. So um, things like that, um, other pieces of technology, um, apps, just living in, in 2016, the barriers to entry for becoming an entrepreneur are so much lower and require much less risk and and capital. So you shouldn't go into launching a business thinking that you need to raise a million dollars or even a hundred thousand dollars or, um, you know, even $10,000 necessarily, depending on what that business is. Um, really write down what it is you need to get going. Like what is that bare minimum and then see what technology and tools are available to you to just, you know, do a free seven day trial or buy the basic plan because you'd really be surprised at how easy and how cheap it is to get going as an entrepreneur. No, that's great. Thank you. That's great advice. And I'm curious when you started, what was the sequence of events? Did you first make a sample of your swaddle, then go to Shopify and then get clients or how did it all happen? Uh, so the, it took about a year to build and launch the business. Uh, and during that year, I was developing the product that, that took the most amount of time and the most amount of resources. And then I was building out the tech platform, so our e-commerce base. And I was building up our nonprofit partnership and our social impact model and trying to kind of keep those three balls in the air simultaneously over the year. And then when they were all at about 80%, that's when I launched. And I think that's something to, um, to share with listeners is, is that as an entrepreneur, you're never going to feel, or at least in my limited experience, you're never going to feel that you're a hundred percent. And sometimes you just have to pull the trigger. And usually that's around 80% of, you know, wherever you are, nothing's going to be perfect and that's okay. It's better to have, um, you know, something in the marketplace and, and you can continue to work on it at 80%, you know, whether that's not that you should launch an inferior product, but my website, for example, will never be done in my mind. So um, it, it took about a year for us to get to that 80% and pull the trigger. How did you know where to go or what, who would to manufacture it? Well, sourcing the textile was the hardest part. So you think that sourcing a cotton muslin textile is going to be 
be very simple, but when you try to do it in an ethical way, um, you care about how that textile is made and where it's made. Um, when you want a really, really quality product, it, it can take forever. And so I sourced, you know, hundreds of samples of this one particular type of fabric and then ultimately took the top of the, you know, picks of that that sampling and made um, some sample products out of them. And of course, those sample products were in all different uh, shapes and sizes and variations and, and ultimately kind of kept narrowing down. And then I took those samples, really about a dozen final samples or semi-final samples, I should say. I took them into the marketplace and I tested them with parents. And I was very fortunate in that overwhelmingly um, parents, in particular moms with newborns, came back and said, this one, this one, this one, this one. And they all pointed to the same sample um, and highlighted the same qualities and the fabric and the bevel of the hem and the design. And so it made it easy for me and that I knew that was the one I had to make. And that's our product. That's our signature swaddle plus blanket. And we continue to make it better and better every time we manufacture it. But, um, you know, building it definitely took quite a lot of time from the fabric sourcing through the cutting and sewing of the samples to testing in the marketplace. And then, um, of course, retesting with every iteration that we come out with of that same product. Where do we even start? Is there um, like websites or forums where you can go to find people who are looking for work or are available to take on, you know, new products? Um, yeah, there are. You can, I mean, it all kind of starts with a basic Google search depending on what you're trying to make. But there are some great resources out there for textiles in particular, you know, starting at a place like the LA Textile Show going and, and meeting with textile designers and manufacturers. Um, or there's a great online platform called Makers Row that focuses on made in America products. And you can sign up with them and get access to communicate with, with made in America factories and, um, and all sorts of little things like that, that really being an interconnected like internet culture is enabling us to do because um, there's much of this industry until recently has been offline. So you, I have a friend that started her business about 10 years ago and she said she went to the LA garment district and knocked on factory doors. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's how thinking. she found her cut and sew shop ultimately. And while there certainly is an element of that and, you know, I'm currently working in Los Angeles right now as I um, build relationships with new manufacturers because I actually feel that I physically do need to be here to ensure the quality, the sustainability, the ethical nature of how the product is made. I need to physically be here. So there, there is an element of that being in person for sure, but you can start your search and learn so much just by resources available online now. So um, it's a it's a tremendous opportunity for um, new manufacturing, particularly new manufacturing in the USA. And it all starts with a basic Google search. Thank you. That's exactly what I was trying to get at first. You know, how do you start? And so thanks for those resources like Makers Row and that, and that makes sense. So just kind of the flow of how do you start something like this? Yeah, then, yeah, it is, you know, it, it can be really daunting, um, but I think you kind of just have to go into it with an attitude of, um, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm a fast learner and I'm going to ask a lot of questions. And um, if, if you present yourself that way to like a new cut and sew shop, you know, a, a, a wise manufacturer, they might be like, oh, okay, a newbie, but they want your business. And if you, if you do show that you're serious about doing this, then 
then you will get that meeting and and can learn a lot just by having like basic intro conversations. So um, you don't have to be an expert going in is, is my main point because I certainly wasn't and I'm not today. You know, I'm still very much a novice in what I'm doing, but um, I, you know, open myself up to learning new things um, through these experiences like a textile shows, for example. Yeah, no, thank you. That's great advice. And another one, first customers, that seems to be, to me, to be so daunting and the hardest in a venture like yours. Do you remember your first ones and how you got them? So my first customers were family and friends. I sent out and I launched Babies for Babies email and that went out to, you know, my, my closest contacts, family and friends. And I, I asked um, for two pieces of support. One, if they would consider sharing by the, that I had launched the business by forwarding the email or the website link or posting it on their social channels. Um, or they, they would consider making Babies for Babies their go-to a baby gift. And many of them did and many of them still do. So starting with your close family friends, getting their support is huge because they're going to be your evangelists. They know you, they believe in you. They've, they've been a, probably a part of this journey in entrepreneurship with you and, and they want to continue that. So really giving um, them an opportunity to um, like go that first mile with you is so important and really does pay off because then I, you know, I started getting my orders from family and friends and that was really exciting. And, you know, a few months in, I started getting orders from people that I couldn't trace back to me. I'd go and do a Facebook search and see if we did we have any friends in common and no, we didn't. And these were just people that had through concentric circles of friends and family because we don't do, we don't pay for traditional advertising at Babies for Babies. They, they were finding out about me through people that were buying and using these products. And that was really cool when it finally reached names that, that, that had no relationship back to me. We start getting a yeah. customers that are just regular old customers. Uh, but it definitely starts at home with the pe people who, who know you best. Absolutely. No, I love this. Absolutely. Um, and I don't think we talked about your nonprofit partner. Do you want to speak a little about your partnership and their name and, and what they're all about? Sure. Babies for Babies has a partnership with a nonprofit organization called Saving Mothers, and they work on um, maternal and newborn health in the developing world in a few sites. And they're just a fabulous lean organization um, founded and run by female doctors. And we love working with them because they're all about impact. They want to make the most impact in the communities that need it most. So currently they're working in Guatemala, Kenya, and the Dominican Republic. And it can be as simple as a safe birth kit um, for a mother in need or a doula training program. Um, and I'm constantly impressed by, by you know, the work and the stories that come out of their work and um, can't speak highly enough and encourage you to check them out there at savingmothers.org and uh, you know are, are always in 
aid of direct funds. And then, of course, through Babies for Babies, every purchase you make gives for life-saving treatments for four newborns. And what that actually is, is something called chlorhexidine that is included in their safe birth kits that enables a sterile umbilical cord cutting of a newborn. Um, Sepsis from an unsterile cord cutting is a leading cause of death of newborns in the developing world, and it's completely preventable. So Saving Mothers is on the ground with community partners and their project sites, literally saving the lives of mothers and newborns through these really high-impact, simple interventions. So we can't speak highly enough of their work and encourage people all the time. You can learn more about them on our website or their website directly, but many ways to get involved there. Perfect. Thank you. And um, I remember you had mentioned your mom's work on saving land for conservation, and that sounds so interesting. Can you tell me more about what she did and how she did it? Oh, gosh. Um, I was so young, but my mom was an environmental activist uh, through my childhood up till about believed, and she had an environmental group called Gila Watch, and the mission was to um, save the Gila wilderness, which is in the southwestern corner of the United States, and um, and she did. She I, I don't exactly remember how it all went down because I was so young for most of it, but she ended up um, doing incredible advocacy work. I remember her going and testifying on Capitol Hill, and um, you know there was a big uh, lawsuit ultimately that that resulted resulted in millions of acres of public lands being saved from overgrazing by cattle of private landowners. So the issue was that private landowners were using public lands to graze their cattle and making profits off of the degradation of, of, um, you know, everyone's natural heritage in in this wilderness. So uh, I just... um, you know, have a lot of memories of her being being very brave and very passionate about uh, pursuing this this mission. You know, beyond her, like it was literally saving the earth, and um, that will forever have an impact on me, and 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 forever drive me to do something that is bigger than me. And that's why we have the mission at Babies for Babies to save one million newborn lives, which. You know, it's a lot. A million newborn lives is a lot for a startup to to try to save, but why not? You know, people ask me why a million. I say, why not? There's an opportunity to do it. And so you've got to kind of set set your, your sights on, on big goals and they're they're achievable. And that, that's what my mom taught me is that big goals are achievable. I love that. I'm sure she must be so proud how you're carrying that torch on on. Same with your mother being an environmental advocate, your dad being an entrepreneur. It seems like you've definitely combined um, great influences, and I, I like how that thread played out. Do you? Who who are your some? What are your future plans? Do you see yourself expand? Well, you said you were going to focus on babies for babies. What do you think for the next five years, or is that too far to imagine? No, not at all. I am thrilled with what I'm doing today with Babies for Babies, and I just focus on the today. But I've always seen this company as my first company. I've always spoken to it as my first company, the place where I learn. And of course, I want success, and I'm building success, and I'm pedal to the metal, like doing everything I can for this company. Um, and, And we will be successful. 
but I won't be selling baby blankets five years from now. Um, you know, I have, I have a specific vision for what I want to happen with babies for babies. And then I have like lots of little things that like variations of that, if they were to happen would be incredible. And I'm trying to stay very open, but ultimately I'm being strategic about aligning, um, you know, the work that I'm doing with babies for babies in a way that, that gets me to a point of, of selling the company and then doing something new. I, I think that for so many entrepreneurs, it, you know, being, building something is, is the passion, you know, you want to build something and ultimately you want that something to grow, to be bigger than you. So this is my goal for babies for babies is that it grows to the point that I'm no longer qualified to run it, you know, that, that it grows beyond my capacity. And so I like much like raising a child, you know, I let it grow up and move on and I go and I, I get a new baby, you know, and I start raising that baby. And, um, that's, that's really my vision for my life. Uh, you know, I want to be a startup mom designing my own life, being an entrepreneur, raising my children. Um, and I see it kind of hopefully going in, going in cycles of which this is just the first. Wonderful. Thank you. And, um, I, I've really enjoyed this call. Thank you so much. I, where can people find you or your product? Um, if they wanted to, um, well, babiesforbabies.com obviously. And, uh, somebody wanted to reach out to you or had ideas, product ideas. Yeah. Um, so definitely check out babiesforbabies.com with the number four and you can shop for us. You can learn about our social impact mission to save 1 million newborn lives. Um, you can engage with our incredible community of mostly moms, but some dads on Instagram at babies for babies or with the hashtag babies for babies or over all social channels actually with that same handle. So you can find us babies for babies anywhere. Um, and then if you want to write me a note, go ahead and reach out. I'm Kate at babiesforbabies.com. And I love to hear from people. Um, if you have one of our products, we love seeing pictures of your babies and our products. And we have an awesome testimonial page that um, is in constant need of updating because we get so many of these photos tweeted or grammed or emailed in. Um, but I'm pretty accessible online. So uh, reach out and, and share your ideas. And um, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. I look forward to following your product and what you do next because I just love your vision and how you're getting it done. So well, thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Paulina. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you have an extra minute, we would love if you could leave a review on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at I Want Her Job or email us at podcast at I Want Her Job.com. We have so many exciting shows planned for you. Until next time.